You're listening to Hayes Radio Network, Cannabis Lifestyle Radio. They they barely have time them to get involved in changing regulations and stuff is yeah kind of misplacing the energy for sure. Oh, you can adjust it every which way. Uh, there you go. Want to try to stay this close? Is that typically how it works? Yeah, actually, yeah, it sounds good. really good. Yeah, that's totally cool. Yeah. Right, let's get going. Ready? Right, yeah. All right. Welcome to yet another episode of Cure to Consumption. My gosh, that song never gets old. Love me some washed out. Henry runs of Portlandia. <laughs> this is kind of fitting though, man, because I, I've got what I consider an old friend in the industry because it's dog years in, in the cannabis industry. And, uh, you know, so when you're talking three, four, five years, some of these friends, I mean, literally it feels like a decade. So we've been through so much, gotten to so many places. Um, the individual we have today in the studio, which is epic in itself, as we finally are kind of moving on to the new norm here, uh, is a good friend and definitely a cannabis activist, Greg, a.k.a. Cannabis Scapes. Welcome, man. Welcome to the studio. What up, Lance? <laughs> this is rad, man. Last time you were down, we were kicking it. You're up at the pad, hanging out for a few days. Yeah, I and, got to uh, got to see that little bit of the the home grow you had set up. Yeah, yeah. Had the had the small operation, but uh, definitely a hobby, not an income. <laughs> <laughs> God, I starts. should have brought you some too, but it looks like you already have some fire. Um, yeah, I ended up, it was uh, Headstrung Haze was the one, that, that bigger boy that you saw in the corner, and then I had a couple of uh, bonsai autos uh, that turned out okay. But uh, nice. man, what is up, dude? It's good to see you. I'm, I have to get used to the Jesus look, this beard, I got to tell you. <laughs> you know, I'm actually thinking about getting rid of the beard. Really? Yeah, I feel like I've kind of come to come full term with it. It's been like a year of yeah. just like disheveled and not really concerning myself with that. And then every once in a while, I catch a glimpse of myself in the mirror. And like, I'm like, oh, <laughs> shit. Doesn't get... I, I, don't, I don't know if I would trust that what person. The... <laughs> back, to, back to the Abe Lincoln's day, Abe Lincoln days, huh? Yeah, I just, uh, <laughs> I, I realize, like, you know, I, 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 fit the, I fit the stereotype now from, from the visual side of things. And, you know, that, that got me pulled over a couple of times. No way. Oh, yeah, I totally got profiled a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> I mean, I had on like tie dye in my hair and a bun and crap. So like I wasn't doing myself any favors, but like that cop totally pulled me over Man. with the intent of flipping the car. Yeah. And that, and that is the crazy part is because I'm going to assume, which is never good for anyone to do, but I'm going to assume that that wasn't north of San Francisco uh, or between San Francisco and Ben. Because interesting enough, up on the hill, people don't trust you if you are clean shaven versus have a beard. That's the that's irony, where this right? all started is yeah. where, where I was spending the majority of my time. It was just, you know, the, the priorities were different. Yeah. There was very, yeah. very little concern on aesthetics on anything except for the bud. <laughs> so <laughs> the you, incentive man. to, to, to shave and to even concern myself with stuff like that just kind of faded the, the closer I got to the, to the plant and, the more time was focused on that, like, yeah. you know, in, in the beard is kind of just like symbolic of a lot of things of just like changing of perception or intention. And, you know, what, what was important to me during this last year specifically, and very little that had anything to do with 
materialism or aesthetics yeah. or anything like that. Yeah. But it's cool, man. You've always been outspoken in a good way in regards to opinion. And we'll get into some of those things. <laughs> I know my, my PC vernacular. Um, and we'll get into that just now. But I think a little bit of a backstory, man, because I've always known you from the West Coast. But I, I know... Um, you know, your background, you're, it's a very unique where you, where you've come from and where you are. So tell us a little bit about the road that got you here to the cannabis scapes days, as it were. So I, I grew up, I was born and raised in Ohio, uh, Cleveland area. So prohibition culture was very strong. Uh, stigmatization was very strong. Yeah. And, you know, the, the people that I was in high school with, like there, there was not a lot of cannabis consumption. There's also not a lot of diversity either. Yeah. Um, so what I was brought up on just through, through, you know, institutionalization essentially, and you know, just where you live, if you don't see it directly, you have no way to kind of counter some of those programming stigmas that you've received. Um, so I grew up in Ohio and really wasn't even thinking about cannabis at all. And it wasn't until I moved down to South Florida after college that I fell in with a group of friends that what I would consider to be successful stoners. Yeah. And they got me into, into pot and, you know, this is in my early twenties. So the whole, you know, everything is still fresh in my head in terms of like buying my first you know, eighth myself. It's crazy as that is, huh? Yeah, you know, splitting a quarter with somebody so we could get a discount type <laughs> Dude, of shit. You're giving me flashbacks. <laughs> so like all of these 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 moments are still so fresh to me, even though like you know consuming cannabis has now only been like you know around about a a third of my life, give yeah. or take. Yeah. So you know that that brings me down to Florida, and consuming cannabis was just you know that's all I was. I was a consumer. And then I saw an opportunity to get into the industry with a seed to sale tracking company mm -hmm. and took an entry level sales job where in 2014, I was cold calling uh, farms and dispensaries on the, on the West coast, trying to pitch them on tracking software and yeah. point of sale software very early on. Good old SAS. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that was my entry into to the industry. And then from there I was starting to travel as part of sales and marketing and getting to really get closer and closer to what would be considered the, you know, the epicenter yeah. of, of the cannabis culture. And, and it was during that time that I had a, had a, a moment with a joint and I was stoned and that's when the, the pictures out of pot started. Yeah. And while I would be traveling for the, the software job, I was able to meet cool people and I was trading them different knickknacks for, you know, incorporation of weed pictures. And that's kind of that, how that, whole process started was just meeting people that were like, oh, that's interesting. And I was like, oh, that's a cool product. I haven't seen that before. Do you want to trade? Yeah. And then just kind of worked my way up, up the ladder that way. And that's kind of how I was able to, to build the Instagram following initially was through you know, collaboration and cross marketing. And eventually I was able to, you know, link up with some pretty big, important brands and do some cool projects that showed me that there was a, enough open water in this spot for me to keep swimming. Yeah. And, you know, one, once I kind of established that, I've just realized like I'm no turning back. I have to explore this to the fullest because somebody's going to, you know, you, yeah. you look at different creative aspects throughout the industry and you see people who have really jumped out and created their own niche, like a Tony Greenhand with mm -hmm. creating uh, joints or, or weavers with the giant blunts. Like and these are just lanes that individual creatives have carved for themselves and, and seeing an opportunity to have something like that, that I can participate in. Like that's really where I just committed to this idea of 
following the the cannabis art and the people who I meet as far as it goes. Yeah. And it's, you know, it just keeps on building in ways that I hadn't anticipated. And that's really just speaks to the community of cannabis and the people that are, uh, that they invite me in because without that access, without their inspiration, like I'm still doing this from Florida. So it took a whole community to, to show me where my focus needs to be. And that's what this last year has really been and what the direction I want to take going forward is going to be just to focus on the real culture of cannabis and the people who have brought us here this far so that, you know, the, the big goal is so that other people in other states that don't have an established cannabis culture or that don't think they do uh, before they get steamrolled by pharmaceutical, corporate, yeah, you know, this, big alcohol, big tobacco. Right. But before things. these guys come in and just make them buy their weed, show them that these other communities exist and try to foster that in these other states so that yeah. they understand like California uh, regulations didn't just come out of the blue. These were clawed for by activists who showed up at city council meetings every single oh time that gosh. they were available. And, and <laughs> this, we're, we've lost that. And there's a generation now coming up who wants access to the plant and to the, all of the, the lucrative opportunities that come with it, but they haven't put in the time and that's people who are young and old, anybody who's coming into the industry. It's yeah. not a generational thing. It's more of just a mindset that if, if you don't recognize where it's come from and, you know, just take, in, take Clubhouse, for instance, with people from all over getting in there and talking. And like, uh, I'm in Massachusetts and I can't get a job at a dispensary because it's all corporate owned. Like, what should I do? Work a little harder. Yeah. Like send some yeah. emails, send some letters, show up. Yeah. But like to complain to people who are have moved or who have risked everything on the line in California, like you can't complain because if you want to create something incredible, you have to put in the work. You can't just look across your neighbor's fence and without realizing how much effort the people and the farmers and the activists of California and these other pioneering states have had to put forward. Yeah, it's huge, man. You're, you're spot on. And I've seen that too. And I agree with you. It's as much as people like to pick on the millennials, which are no longer what people think of the millennials, right? Right. The Y generations come up now. They're the, there's the Z or Z generation behind them. Um, but you're right. It's not just them, and that's the same thing. I've been a supporter, and you know, been out of the proverbial green closet for years now, and um, I've been on those calls or or at events or trade shows. And you're right. There's people that just literally like I can't get like they almost have like this chip on their shoulder because. I hate to say it, but guys like you and myself and, and several of our friends, quite honestly, in, in our circle of friends, do make it look easy, but we're busting our ass. We're just doing it with a smile. And you're right. These people see it and they're like, dude, what? Why? It should be easier. I mean, I had someone who, <laughs> I mean, pick on, but but this kid who I mentored a little bit, he's an intern back in my days years ago with Scripps, um, straight out of college, him him and a handful of his friends, they all we all brought him in as interns. And uh, I have not, I looked at this guy pinged me on LinkedIn. It was like, hey, Lance, hope all's good. Like literally the smallest of smallest chat, like hope all's good. Hey, I'm looking to go get a job with Weed Maps. What can you tell me about the culture? And what can you tell me to give me an inside scoop? I looked at the last time that we'd interacted because LinkedIn was that platform because mm -hmm. he was a professional, you know, his buddies like you and I where we're texting, he, you know, it was more of a professional stance. 2014, <laughs> you know, just like, hey, dude, what's up? Help me get a job. When I haven't even heard from you for seven years, and I love—I'm everyone knows the industry. I'm easy to work with. 
get along with everybody. I'm really laid back. But to your point, it, it gets a little frustrating when there's people, they're just like, they see what they consider low hanging fruit and want to jump right on it. Because dude, you did work your way up and, and you're similar to me where the industry kind of guided you and not to get philosophical, but you know, that happened to me when I left the cannabis, you know, opportunity at Weed Maps, opportunity at High Times and an opportunity at Medicine Man Technologies, all good companies at the time, you know, it, it was great. And I had friends who are like, oh, why don't you go back to digital? Or why don't you go back to mainstream media? And I'm like, this this industry wants me to stay. Like this industry has 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 made it very obvious and evident that they want me to be a part of it. And that's I feel like with you. We've done stuff together. You know, I've had you out, you know, at an after party out in Vegas during MJ Biz. And, you know, we've caught up up in NorCal. And it's kind of cool, man, because you go with it, but you're always hustling. Like you're always... You know, you're one of those guys too. It makes it look easy, but you're always doing the grind. Like you're always doing what it takes to get it done, you know? Well, I kind of had an epiphany the other day. It's like, I haven't worked in two years, but I also haven't stopped working in two years. Yeah, yeah. And I've also, I'm trying to make an effort to show more of the the day-to-day. And, and it's twofold. One, because nothing in weed is glamorous. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what these farms look like on Instagram. Yeah. I've, I've been there and I see the, you know, hundred plus hour work week. Yeah. You know what they're doing behind the scenes. Yeah. It's huge. And, and then there's also the, the segment of people that they're making excuses for why they're not doing things. Yeah. And so part of what I'm trying to show, like the good and the bad of the entrepreneur's journey is like, this is the hustle. This is what it takes. Like, and also showing how fortunate I, fortunate I am for the people that I have in the community, you know, things like when I was driving around the, the Hummer oh, and yeah. the uh. inevitable issues that it would create, but also like <laughs> the people who came through with me with either a spot to crash or even like farmers changing out the tire on that thing. Oh my like, God. I would have been so screwed. Like, Why, I don't, you came up, what was it? Dude, it's all blur. I, I can't remember. I, I want to say it was... I don't, I don't think it was Emerald Cup. I think it was Hall of Flowers. And I'm like, dude, do you have a ticket to the show? <laughs> and you're like, no, I'll figure it out. And you literally camped out across the street in the Humvee. You're on, so you got, for those that don't know, oh, yeah. check out Peacemaker. <laughs> Peacemaker Gear's got this bitchin' ass former DEA, one of only, what, three, <laughs> purpose built for DEA. Love the irony there. Um, you're traveling and we can get into that just now. But you're sitting on the rooftop and I had an extra ticket. And that was just like a perfect example. Like you, like right place, right time, but it's it's not serendipitous. It's not coincidence. Like you cognitively put yourself out there, like you're saying, and made sure that you were at the right place at the right time. And man, I mean, that's even... Sort of. I didn't know what I was doing. It's just kind of, <laughs> you know, to, to go back to what you had mentioned earlier about like just going with it and hustling is that's yeah. really like, that's when it got, I don't want to say easier, but it definitely got better is when I stopped expecting things and I yeah. stopped predicting what was going to happen. And I kind of just said like, I'm going to trust myself to navigate whatever does happen. Yep. Um, there. And when I, when I started doing that, it was just kind of, you know, I feel like I'm rolling from opportunity to opportunity mm-hmm. instead of like trying to chase something down. Yep. And yeah. you know, the, the big lesson in a lot of this is, has been patience. And it's like the most painful lesson because there have been, there have been moments on projects where my patience was, you know, my lack of patience was not, you know, I was called on it or just yeah. it, it comes up and it's just like, if I had literally waited 10 more minutes, I would have gotten an email response that would have been more positive than the one that I generated by yeah. like <laughs> trying to, trying what's to up? What have you got back to? Yeah. And, yeah. And, it, and then 
conversely, I've had moments where I, I thought I needed to, to push and then yeah. I just practiced patience and literally the universe rewards that patience almost instantaneously to the point where I'm like, you son of a bitch. Like, <laughs> and, and it's just the, 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 the those things happening over and over again. Yeah. It's a lot of these things that you hear other entrepreneurs say, or other kind of like, you know, more spiritual, spiritual people say, like you start believing in these things because yeah. you start experiencing them. And when you're not experiencing them, you're not like, you're not in the position to experience that stuff. And you're not ready for those lessons. Yeah. You, you can read about it. You can YouTube it. You can do anything you want. But if you're trying to be an entrepreneur in anything, like you have to just go receive the feedback and then adjust the approach afterwards. Like you can't yeah. assume you know what the, the, the audience is going to think. Definitely. You know, we all work ourselves into echo chambers and sycophants and people telling us what we want to hear because it feels good and then you go out and you drop something to the public and they're just like no yeah, crickets <laughs> and then so that's something with the art with pictures that i think are gonna hit and they're coming out and they in my opinion flop and others that i just put out because it's an experimental thing and people really respond to it well and yeah. if i had these preconceived notions of this is how i'm gonna do it and this is all i'm gonna do with this opportunity I would have been closing so many doors before I even like walked down that hallway. Yeah. And you, and that's the good point with the doors. So yeah, getting into where this is taking you and then we'll, we'll get into the what, but the where is pretty dope, man. Cause again, I know you were working the circuit. I mean, gosh, we hung out in Barcelona during cannabis scapes. I think we were up in mainland Europe, definitely all across Cal and you know, the rest of it. Um, you've met some great people and you've done some phenomenal art. I mean, I remember back, you know, we did Burner and some of the others. You've got one sitting here right in front of us. Um, who are a few of the individuals, uh, the ones that you're comfortable with sharing that you've done art for, or you, you've, I should say, you didn't necessarily do it for them, but you obviously, they came into your art and then they actually reached out and it opened a door. I mean, definitely want to tell the, the backstory on the Burner image because that, I, I, I'm not going to say that without that, I don't make it, but it certainly accelerated things and provided yeah. me with the the motivation. And like at a time when there, there have been a couple of times where I've just been like, I don't know what, what I'm doing with this. So like, I don't know yeah. if is, is this effort going to get to me, get me where I, I want it to be, or am I just, is it going to be another failed experiment back to the drawing board? Like there have definitely been moments where I was low on it and I didn't know if it was going to make sense to, to pursue. Yeah. And the, the burner cover was one of those things where like, I'm just kind of at a, it was, I was at a low point. It was kind of in a, I think it was October of 2016. Oh gosh. I think. Um, that and I had, far back, man. Yeah. <laughs> And, and I had posted, uh, I, I posted the portrait that I made of Burner and really quickly to get into that, like from a serendipitous standpoint, I almost didn't make the picture of Burner to begin with. Really? Like I was, um, this is before I'm, I'm shooting stuff with my iPhone and, and whatever black market weed I can get in Florida. Yeah. So it's, it's not great quality in any regard. But I had met somebody through Instagram that had, um, they had their own grow. They had, they're a professional photographer. Like, and I had seen their, their pot photography. That's how we connected. Oh, okay. Gotcha. And this person, like countless others made the mistake of inviting me <laughs> and said, come on up for the weekend. And I'm like, 
Uh-huh. I mean, I'm the wrong person to offer that to because you know. you will. Like, <laughs> he does, people. <laughs> yeah, if you if you offer me something, I will show up. You like, do, man. <laughs> sometimes so with notice, other times like with less. And, and I'm, a, I'm a really bad texter in that regard because in my head I hit send, but that conversation yeah. didn't happen. <laughs> um, oh, my gosh, man. So I got invited to go to go to Toronto, mm-hmm. and I've I've been to Toronto before. I'm growing up in Ohio. We've crossed that border yeah, before, so I'm like, okay, yeah, I got that. I'll fly to Detroit. I'll hop on a bus, and I'll do what I've done countless times before. Um, except this time, I'm I'm high. I took an edible. Oh jeez. Short stories. I got on the wrong bus in Detroit, and I'm watching like on no the GPS way. as I'm going the opposite direction of the <laughs> Canadian border. <laughs> and the kicker is it was a late flight so there's limited buses and it stops at a certain point and like I'm doing the math in my head and I'm like by the time I get back there's only going to be like one more bus available and like my window is closing so like I asked the bus driver to, to clarify just to make sure I'm like I'm, I think I'm on the wrong bus we're not going to Windsor Canada are we she's like oh no you're going into downtown Detroit oh geez like, fuck because again oh, the, the, the time is coming up to where there's not going to be any more buses yeah across yeah. So at the next stop, like it's a, there's a fire station and I just like hop out and I call a lift and <laughs> they, this wonderful woman comes and scoops me up and I've probably got like 15 minutes to cover like close to 20 miles to get to oh, the shit. bus stop. And I, I let her know, I'm like, listen, like without doing anything that you're not completely comfortable with and feeling safe, this is my situation. Yeah. Do with that what you will. And she just gunned it. <laughs> she got me there. I she, love Lyft drivers, man. Props to them. There's, she was so nice. So cool. She was like, you, she was um, like, you, it's, it's, it's midnight. You really shouldn't be out here by yourself. Dude. Yeah. Detroit. I mean, I don't care where, I mean, I, I grew up hanging out in Oakland in the Tenderloin in San Francisco. Like it, Detroit is sketch. <laughs> well, and I'm like, I, I'm almost, I'm almost naive in a lot of those like street smart level regard things. Cause I just assume the best out of people. And I'm like, yeah. if somebody did come up to me, I'm going to talk my way out of it again. Naive. Well, yeah, like, you're, you're not, not a small guy either. In fairness, you're tall. I mean, I'm I, six. I you got a few inches me. on me, man. <laughs> I would definitely pick out several people to try to rob like before me. Oh yeah. You're not going to get yeah. much from me anyway. <laughs> like I'll break my phone in front of you before you yeah, take you, it. You're not traveling with meth or anything they're looking for anyway. Right. <laughs> dude, so, so you made it. So assume you made because I know right. it's, we'll get to the proverbial rest is history. But dude, I mean that again. That was that was something. You yeah, know? that was just an I adventure mean, in itself to get yeah. there. And so the whole plan is I'm going there and I'm just going to spend a day. Like it was a 36 hour trip. Yeah, and I'm just going there to bang out pictures. And I have like a list of pictures that I, I had kind of prepped in my head. And before I left, one of my friends at uh, the software company. He's like, let me see the list. And he adds at the bottom, burner. And I go, you know, because I got like, you know, Willie, Snoop, Dre, Tommy. But you guys can find all these, by the way. If if you are not following Cannabiscapes, definitely, definitely. I mean, IG, you have got some phenomenal art. So sorry, just had to do it. No, that was a great great segue plug. That was fantastic. (laughs) Because every time something pops up in my feed, you know, and just proud of you generally just being friends, you know, every time I see this, but... What craziness that he was almost didn't make the cut because these are the kind of stories that, you know, you hear in history, right? Yeah, it was in 
you know, th- this is my buddy who suggested it, and he's going to come up in another story too, because <laughs> uh, that's the type of thing, that's the type of people I meet or that yeah. support me is that there's generally like something, something happens that there's a spark, and then it comes back around, and then it comes back around the third, fourth, fifth time, and like by the time we're starting to hit the mid 2020s, like we're going to be doing epic shit on a global scale. Yeah. So like yeah. it's th- this is one of those yeah, guys. It's lining up. And. <laughs> You know, so I go up there and I'm making the pictures and this is just like a long day, long. I'd never done anything like that much work at any time. And so like it was literally the last picture before I'm like, all right, I'm going to pass out, pack up, go to bed, put on like 20 joints, one of my favorite burner songs. Yeah. And I was working on the picture. And, you know, this was months before I had even posted it on his birthday. Because oh, okay. that was my typical strategy is I'm yeah. going to, I'm going to post the, these people who I support on their birthday. Yeah, this I always thought it was cool. Gift. <laughs> And I'll always remember it because it was on a Sunday and I was ready, getting ready to watch fantasy football and I had posted the picture and then I always try to like just put my phone away for at least like 20 minutes afterwards. Otherwise, I'll just sit there and like refresh yeah, and get in my head. And micromanage. Yeah, yep, yep. So <laughs> I come back to my phone and I like go to look and all of a sudden like I thought my Instagram was broken because it's more notifications yeah. than I was able to process. Oh, shit. Like, and that had never happened. I'm literally like maybe two, 3,000 followers at the time. Yeah. And so all of a sudden I'm like, where's this, you know, traffic coming from? And then I see that burner commented and he had reposted the picture on his page and just all of a sudden. Yeah. Floodgates. Like, Wiz Khalifa is liking the picture. Like they're all commenting on it. And I'm like that. And, and again, remember I said, this is like a, a low moment when I post the burner picture. Like, yeah. I don't even know if I'm going to make it. I don't know if people like this shit. I was going to Florida events and I was trying to like hustle, sell pictures, sell commissions, like do anything I could like just to, to see if there was any foothold here for me. And it was, I was striking out everywhere and I have a great network of supporters in Florida, but in terms of trying to like sustain it, it just became very frustrating. Yeah. And so when that, when Burner reposted that, that just gave me like a shot of adrenaline and encouragement to keep pursuing it. And then from there, you know, he DMs me and is like, this is dope. Like, what's your number? I want to talk. And then a couple of days later, I get a number from, I get a call from a 415. Yeah. And this is when I'm still in Yeah, Florida. area, guys. <laughs> and I'm just like, <laughs> At the coveted. oh, shit, it's got to be him. Yeah, so, in San Francisco, dude. <laughs> I, I pick up. He's like, what's going on, man? I'm like, nothing, just, just chilling. Like, what's good with you? And he's like, well, I, I love the picture. Uh, I've got an idea. I want, I want to have you come out to LA and reshoot it and I want to use it for my upcoming album and I'm like okay cool just let me know when and in my head it's like weeks months away yeah and he's like all right cool how's next week (laughs) and here's what was funny about this is remember this is uh I think we're I think November is when now I'm talking to him because his birthday is I believe mid-October and then we're talking we get it actually on the schedule and it's the same time as MJ BizCon Oh, shit. <laughs> well, it's okay, though, because that software company, who I continue to not name because they'll never get any clout off of my shit, yeah. they didn't have me on the roster. Oh, no way. Yeah, they had a whole bunch of scrubs going to MJ BizCon with the company on the line, and they left me off because of, you know, I, it, at the time, it just became, I cared more about the customers than, than the yeah. company. And Which is was, crazy, right? I mean, yeah, I know. I've been in that situation. Well, and that's why, <laughs> that, that's why that company's falling on their face, and that's why... You know, having had the technology aspect of the industry by the throat, 
in 2015 and to fail on that scale, yeah. like it's at this point, it's just comical. And I just watch them go through another stock conversion and dilute half of the value again. Like you're all suckers. Yeah. Dilute, and dilute, dilute. That's how karma works. <laughs> yeah. um, so I, I wasn't going to be going to MJ BizCon. So I just took a couple of days off and I went and I flew out to Los Angeles and went up to Burbank and going yeah. to the studio. And that was a whole other crazy experience because they got all the plaques on the wall from like Snoop, Dre, yeah. Eminem. And I'm just like, who has been in this room? Oh yeah. And it's yeah. just legends. And then they're like, all right, cool. We're going to set up a camera and like, we want you to just make burner's face again. Yeah. Your time-lapse stuff is dope. <laughs> when you're doing these and you time-lapse them is freaking epic, man. Well, and yeah, the whole, the whole plan, it, uh, you know, got derailed last year and it was kicking off in Barcelona for Spanibus as yeah. I was doing like, you know, entertainment kind of creating the pieces at the clubs in Barcelona. Yeah. And just being able to connect with the, those communities. And that was like, all right, cool. I want to take this back to the States and do the same thing. And then just hit the brakes on any kind of interest like that. And then there was that beginning phase where, you know, everybody was trying to push to push to digital. And, you know, there was a moment there's like, oh, do I want to try to do a whole bunch more Instagram live stuff. And then it just felt forced. And then I saw it getting saturated and it's almost like where we're at with uh, NFT artwork already. Like, oh my god! <laughs> everybody's asking me, like, are you going to do yep. anything NFT? I'm like, no, nah, I think I'm. I think I've missed this wave, and I'm okay yeah. with that. I I want to just kind of sit back and learn and be prepared for when this comes back around again. Yeah. But right now, it just seems like a a, a paper chase and a way to dilute your personal brand and just like chase a, a ch chase something flashy, which you know I'm finally feeling like I have direction. Definitely. as provided by the the community and having you know I, i've got that and now with like these other things coming around i feel like it's it's almost like a test like a temptation and like do you want to chase that or do you want to stick to your plan knowing that it's going to be slower more difficult and less flashy but knowing that like that's your plan that you set set out to and yeah you know i think that you know for me, it's learning that from cultivators in terms of like, are you trying like, are you going to go after and try to make some money doing some Delta eight shit? Or are you going to chase Dude. this different strain? Or are you guys going to chase this different oh. trend in the industry? And the ones that do, they, they tend to run out of money. And the ones that have their, they got their true North and their direction that they're going, they just stay the course. Yep. And I'm, I'm watching these guys now season over season. And I'm seeing the difference in people who are staying the course and are committed you know, they're, un they're unwavering in, in what their, their goals are. And none of them are money. And I think that that's really the big, the, the big diversion or the big distinction between who's successful in cannabis and who's not is, yes, there's, there's money to be made. And a lot of these people, that's what attracted them to them. Yeah. But at least the ones that invite me in, I see so much more than going after the money. They're looking at ways that they can just, you know, sustain their, their lifestyle and their yeah. community. And when that's your goal, it's really hard to come in and tempt somebody and be like, oh, well, we're, we're going to make you, you know, famous. We're going to do this for you. We're going to get you in all of these stores. And they're like, what makes you think I want to be in all those stores? Yeah, that's a true. See, you're talking about the guys that I grew up with. Those are the guys that I grew up with that, to your point, it's like, no, you don't understand. I want to continue to pursue my passion. I'm not trying to get rich. I'm not trying to the next trend. And that's I talk. I do. I always reference it as the trendy triangle strains. That's exactly what it is. And I mean, I have a buddy who he's been pushing forbidden fruit several seasons now. And that is his top. I mean, he's won awards. He's done phenomenally well. 
Huge props to another friend, one of my guys that, that I passed Gen X along to. He's been pushing Mac. He's been loving Mac and Mac's his thing. He's like, I'm not going to keep chasing all the, you know, all the, the desserts, right? As we call them, the, the fruits and the berries and the gelatos and the cakes and the, and to your point, the thing that always baffled me with the ones that are constantly like, cause it is for those that don't know. And I know, you know, as Greg, you enthralled yourself in, in the industry every year. It, it's, it's this cycle and it's cyclical and every year all the new strains come out, all these cultivars and a lot of great genetics too. A lot of great guys collab in between the West Coast and Spain specifically um, and, and just some OG stuff that's getting married with some new school stuff. But it's this craziness where people are chasing what is the latest. Right? We saw it with Skittles. We saw it with Runts. We saw it with cookies. We saw it with wedding cake. We saw it with ice cream cake. We saw, And that is insane to me because every plant is different. Every plant is unique. You have to learn the characteristics and the style to grow that specific cultivar. So it's like mastering an art, but the problem is it's it's a slightly different art every time you go back to practice it. So I get what you're saying because there's guys, I'm like, how do you know how to grow this? This is your first time getting these genetics. It's going to take you two, three, four, or five rounds to really, really get that thing tweaked to what you're comfortable with. And do you have the time between now and the next trendy strain that comes along, you know? Well, and so that that brings me to the to this kind of crossroads that I've, you know, I'm on the other side of now, which is time spent educating and inspiring people who are new or not doing well to do better versus fuck them, figure yeah. it out. And for, for a long time, I was trying to just be like, no, there's a spot here for everybody. Like, you guys have just got to come and meet us halfway. And now I'm like, I'm not moving an inch. And I don't want my friends to move an inch either. If you want anything from us, you come all the way. There's no 50-50 anymore, especially after being considered essential business and keeping the coffers full for the last year. The government can kiss my ass. Like, don't, don't ask for a damn thing. You don't get a damn thing until we address some of the problems that you've created for us. Yeah. And right now, yeah. oh. you know, I've, I've, got, I've got friends that are now community leaders. I mean, they always have been, but now they're recognized by a lot of it comes down to like the OGs of the area that are from other industries, be it like yeah. cattle farming. You know, some of the wine people are even coming around because they're oh looking and they're dude, looking. They they're are. Saying, <laughs> they're saying, man, these, these, ki- these guys coming up, these, these people who are tending to the land now, they're good people. They can, oh, yeah. Like, I've watched them grow up. I didn't know that they were doing this pot shit, but now I see who you are. I see what you're doing for the community, and they're starting to give them the reins to some of these areas where it's a couple landholders hold a lot of the cards, and oh. there's, there's nobody to turn it over to. There's no next generation coming up that's going to carry on their way of life, and now they're seeing, yeah. damn, these, these pot farmers, like, these are actually some of the best people that'll be able to c- protect a community. Like, a, you know, yeah. just using Mendocino as an example. Like, That's there's a good a, example. There's a lot, there's a lot, of, uh, lot of short buildings going up there. There's a lot of, a lot of wood frame buildings going up in, in Ukiah specifically. And that's very concerning to me as to what the longevity of those types of uh, units is. Yeah. And, and, you know, who, who's approving that? Is Are these people that are looking like, what what type of community is that going to gonna attract? You know, the, the triangle specifically has got this opportunity to just become an educational powerhouse for yeah. regenerative farming and, you know, keeping things close to the earth. 
yeah. it also has the opportunity to just whore itself out as you know the the las vegas of weed like just you can come here because we're the first ones and it just becomes like a tourist attraction and you know, yeah. i don't i that that's what big money wants to create they want to create a, a six flags type of thing like a Dude, weed yeah. world but, I, there's little things i mean they dredged for those who don't know eureka i mean there, there's a harbor right there between eureka and acadia i mean they dredged that to be able to bring in cruise ships <laughs> you know that could be a stop there could literally be a cannabis cruise ship that could hit every port from here through Canada to Alaska and, and hit up all these different cultivars. And, you know, there, there's people that are thinking that way. But this is a good opportunity to mention that I own chroniccruiselines.com. <laughs> Dude, you're like me. I'm always in half the time I'm high. I'm, oh, I need to get that URL. Yeah. yeah if no, you grow, my, you know.com. I just bought that one night and I was like, dude, you, you get that. Like if you grow, you know, like I've you been, I've been it. sitting on some for a while and like they all yeah. just came due. So they're all fresh in my head. Like I just got the, <laughs> I just got the receipt for like 15 domains that so I say, re- which is not cheap. Cause you don't get nah. any coupon on re-upping. <laughs> I'm ahead though. Cause I, I sold off, I sold off Africanibus.com oh, wow. a couple of years ago. And that put me in the that put me in the green and, for all my yeah. domain investing. Oh my gosh. Yeah. There's a lot going on down there. Well, yeah. And what you're getting at, man, it's kind of going back to, and, and a good friend of mine, I think, you know, him, Kevin uh, Jodry up out of, uh, he's love w- Kevin. One, yeah. You know, his ties. He's the, to one who, who, he's the one who's got, who got me thinking, no, you come all the way. Cause he oh, told yeah. me, he's like, he's like, yeah, suits want to meet with me. I make him drive all the way up to Humboldt. Yeah. See and where I'm like, coming from. So literally baller. and metaphorically see where I'm coming from. And you guys, so you all know, I mean, Kevin, same thing. He, he is, as far as personalities and people to work with, is one of the easiest guys to work with. He and I are very similar in our approach towards business. But to your point, come up and see where I'm coming from. Which burner's gone up? The, I mean, he holds all the cookies genetics oh in, in Wonderland. The, the one, and the one, one log, log facility yep. is amazing. Oh, now, yeah. Here's a, here's a funny quick story about that. Is I was up there, I brought a buddy of mine from our Florida days to, to visit a couple of my friends just to show yeah. some of the NorCal experience. And Kevin was dope enough to sit down and meet with us because uh, my yeah. buddy was a Navy vet and Kevin is oh, a Navy cool. vet as well. Yeah. So Kevin agreed to come down and spend some time with my buddy. And while we were hanging out, uh, Parker, the CEO of Cookies, happened to yeah. be on site. And he was walking around. He came down and sat with us for a few minutes. And I was just like, okay, this is dope to see Parker. Yeah. Because we had met in Barcelona at Spanibus. And you know, I was like, you know, very cool guy, personable. But you know, you're the CEO of Cookies. So... Yeah. Which is one of the few international brands, as far as I'm concerned. In exactly. This <laughs> so, so there, there's a lot of you know, real business skills that 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 brings to the table. And I don't, yeah. I didn't know what the weed crossover side of it was going to look like. Like, yeah, you know, obviously part of the culture. You're in Span, you're at Spanibus. Like once you once you go to that and you see what real true international cannabis oh culture my looks gosh, like, dude, that it's a it's a game changer because then you see what it could look like everywhere. Yeah. In the way, in the way that they treat it, which we'll get into just now as well, because I think you know that's a, in my opinion, it's a hot topic, and, and we'll talk about that. But going back to your point, and I know Kevin feels the same way, but he'll tell you the history. I mean, we've spent hours together, and I we we both have a huge amount of respect for each other. I have a huge respect for him because he he didn't even grow up up there; he grew up on the East Coast, and he probably knows more about my old backyard than I ever will. Um, but to your point, a lot of the people that moved up there. Um, it is about closed loop growing. It is right. But the whole mentality was closed loop up there was let's self-sustain. Let's, let's be efficient on our own. Let's create this community. Cannabis is what paid for. And those growers is what paid for the community center. And for a lot of what exists in Humboldt County, Mendocino has its own story. Trinity has its own story, the rest of it, but specifically for Humboldt, 
But I think you're right. My friends that grow are some of the best growers, just phenomenal horticulturists. I mean, they're the same ones. Yeah, not just weed. No, no, not just <laughs> weed. I, I mean, literally, I mean, like uh, Ali Cassidy, Ali and Charlie Cassidy, who always talk about, and um, even a blaze up in, in Northern Oregon. I mean, they're taking some phenomenal organic produce to the locals farmer, local farmer's market. And to your point, the generational growers, because there's a lot of homesteaders. People don't recognize the the largest pieces of property on the West Coast that are privately owned are in Northern California. So there's some old school families. I mean, we even have it here. I'm You know where I'm at. I'm in Ventura County. So I'm right, you know, just north of Los Angeles, not far enough north, <laughs> but just north of Los Angeles. And we've got like the McGraths and, and you know, these, these large, again, hundreds of acres that even they look to get into hemp and such because of their level of respect that they've, they've gained for these growers because it is such a different space. But I think you touch on something really important. You know, it is, it's not just closed loop on, on the way you grow, but it's closed loop on the way you treat the industry and how you give back and how you contribute and you all keep it in this circle. And, and I think these are things that to your point, people need to understand about it. And I don't know about you, man, cause you've spent more time on the East coast. I'm a little allergic to the East coast. I won't lie, but that's a difference I feel. And I'm not just, I'm not just discriminating towards the U S Canada is the same way. As far as I'm concerned, you go to Ontario, specifically Toronto, or even Nova Scotia, New Brunswick versus Calgary or, uh, you know, Vancouver, BC, or, you know, even up the coast, um, man, the culture and craft is strong on the West side of North America. Whereas the, the, the other side, the East coast, I kind of feel like it's a bit more suits and business. It's a little bit more money. There's less culture enthralled. There's less, less craft enthralled. I know people claim to put out fire. I'm not disagreeing with that, but they just don't have that same level of history and that same level of unity in the community, right? I mean, it's, it's impossible to really understand it without coming out to the West Coast and experiencing it. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's impossible. And you can't, you, you can't understand the enormity and the, the violence of the, the Northwest Coast when, like, the Lost Coast, oh, like, yeah. humble, like, the there's ancient trees... Like oh my god! You, like you grandfather tree right there in one log, dude. Things been there over a hundred, well, right. several hundred years actually. <laughs> I mean, you can you can look at pictures all you want, and you can hear people talk about it, but until you're there and you experience that, especially like you know maybe aided under the guise of some good weed or psychedelics. Oh my gosh! Like you, <laughs> right? You, you can't really appreciate that, and it's the same thing with the flowers. It's the same thing with the work that it takes to create the good flowers. Yeah, you know you can you can. Think about, think you know. You can hear people talk about it, but until you actually like lace up the Go boots and wake up and and stick to their schedule, yeah. And then you're like, oh, Jesus, okay. Man. So like, you know, it just to me, it's like a tiger doesn't know it's a tiger. It just does tiger shit all day. <laughs> that's and a good I way of putting it. I show up and I'm just it. like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. And like that's when I look at these multi-state operators or these corporate people, and I'm like, you're so fucked. Like you're just a lamb to the slaughter. You're in here and like you're in a cage. You're safe with your regulations yeah. and your deep pockets. But once you step out of the cage and you're out there with wild beasts, you're dead. And it's yeah. going to be bloody, and that blood is going to be your money. Yeah. You know, I see a lot We've of really it, nice man. greenhouses up here. Dude. You know, really, really nice corporate greenhouse. They spared no expense. My buddies are going to blow them bitches out in a couple of years yeah. when you go out of business. Well, same with the indoors, man. I mean, you're... 
the average now, 30,000 square foot, I'm seeing 10 million spend by the time you're done with the fertigation and, and slider rack systems. That's and, silly and to cure do room all that for and indoor a, that people won't pay a ticket for in two years anyway. Yeah. It's going to be all greenhouse. And then the highest price pot, in my prediction, calling it now, is going to be full-term outdoor weed from the Triangle. Oh, well, imagine that. Trivial, right? Where it all began in, in the true, I mean, again, I, and I tell people, I disclose, I know I'm old school, I know I'm not some young buck, and, and I still I have respect for the indoor genetics guys and the indoor growers, but I agree with you. I mean, outdoor is the coveted because there's something to be said about the phenotype because, again, we talk about genotype, phenotype, chemotype, right? From start to finish, seed to, to social, to consumption. And, man, I mean, it... it I taste a difference. I mean, one of my growers, one of my buddies, he actually, I remember uh, Johnny Ray props to uh, to Johnny's farm. Yep, and several times this year. Yeah, yeah, you know him. He is br- freaking mad scientist, brilliant. And I remember a few years ago he brought down a wedding cake, and he put he always would bring a dozen jars, right? He'd always bring me a dozen mason jars, and it'd, it'd be his season, which I loved. And he knows how much I love. We geeked the heck out. He, he brought out three quarts, right? So he brought out three mason jars. And he goes, check these out. And I, I grab each bud and smell it, look at it, this and that. And I'm like, this is mine right here. And he's like, that's the outdoor. He's all, this is all the same genetics. It's indoor, greenhouse, 100% outdoor. And he's like, I knew you'd pick the frosty. He's like, I knew you would. I'm like, dude, the nose on it. Like, you can just smell the terps. Like, you can literally smell the profile on that thing. And and again, all of his stuff is fire. I just, I naturally, because our bodies know what we like and what we don't like and, and what we enjoy and what we don't enjoy. And that's just naturally what I, I'm attracted to. So I definitely would agree with your prediction of outdoor being the coveted versus indoor. I mean, do you, do you, do you prefer aesthetics? Do you want a bodybuilder or do you want a CrossFit athlete? Yeah. And the, the bodybuilder's great. The perfect environment. I prefer a little nuance. Yeah. You know, if, if that weed survived fire season, I'll pay a premium for it because I yeah. know the stress level for that farmer. Yep. And, and for that plant. this is not to, <laughs> this is not meant to, to disrespect indoor, but part of it is just like, I'm not paying for you to live in Southern California. Yeah. Like, and that's, that's what a lot of it is, is the cost of input to cultivate indoors because oh, people want to live down here and not live up on the hill. Yeah. And, and some of these guys with their, <laughs> I mean, I had a, a friend, never story, but I had a friend that came out and he's um, a consultant. He is working for a large uh, international supplier of uh, product in the ancillary space. And he toured about a dozen indoor grows before we both spoke up at a panel in Reno a few years back. And he's like, man, he's like, it's insane. He's all net cost per pound eight to nine hundred dollars i'm like dude did you visit non-for-profs were they like 501c's or something (laughs) because they're making no money how can you at nine hundred dollars net cost per pound how can because at the time we were low i you know national average i think is up 13 1400 but at the time i mean literally that national average wholesale was under a grand it was insane I mean, especially yeah. with what's happening with greenhouses, light-assisted greenhouses, and just technology in general, as, as farmers aren't, are they're less afraid to be out there working their new tech and yeah. trying stuff out. I mean, it's it's going to happen eventually, I think, just because there's a, only a, a, an amount of, of cannabis that good farmers will be able to produce in the triangle. Yeah. Like, we're nowhere near that. Like, let's, let's yep. see how we can sa- saturate it first. But at a point, you know, 
take a take somebody like a Ridgeline Farms, who's back to back Emerald Cup winner. Dude only wants to grow so much weed. Oh yeah, and so it's the micro macro man. So at that Petite point, for the win, <laughs> take, it, take it goes up. Yep, take it yep. goes up, and if you want to buy that in Ohio, take it goes way up. And if you're only yep. pulling, you know, if you're only pulling hundred or a couple thousand pounds a year. Yep. Then and that's a Lamar to your point. Then, a few hundred pounds per takedown. Yeah. G- give me beautiful unabated capitalism, and let me see what the true market yeah. value of that weed is versus what you're trying to force people to buy at your retail storefronts yep. that are not going to last a decade either yep. unless you're no, really smart and create a bond with your customers yeah that's how i feel with it's god the irony man i'm wearing hidden prairie farms which is one of, i support several farms up in the triangle several friends but hidden prairie farms when they came out with their blue skittles i mean she always gave me such a phenomenal price i didn't want to pay that little because that's how much i appreciate it but top dollar for sure i mean that was we hate to compare to alcohol but I agree with you. The market's going to go by way of the Wally world of weed and then and then more so the rogue valley of weed, right? So you're going to have these large-scale growers, and you can't scale this like core bean, you know, corn or, or soybean or any of those crops. It's very different. The level of attention and passion you have to put into it. But top dollar for sure because I have in, in my reserves, I have certain flour for special occasions, and then I have flour. You know, even my own stuff. I mean, my own stuff is not, it's, it's mids, it's fine, you know, but when I want to bust out the coveted, it's Hidden Prairie, it's Spire, it's, it's Johnny Ray stuff, you know. Well, and, and truthfully, if somebody ever pulled out some like MSO stuff in a circle that I roll in, like, we were like, how free was that? <laughs> or how much did they pay you to, to bring that around? <laughs> to bring it to the circle. And oh, so man. that's where I, th- I think we're, we're at this interesting position where these large companies come in and they throw a lot of money. Yeah at the marketing to try to convince you to try their product, but it's a sophisticated marketplace who isn't going to have a whole lot of tolerance for bad, bad weed. Oh, 100%. That's why all these celebrity brands fail because Dude. they don't, they put more money into the packaging and the promo than they do into the product. They don't announce the farmers that they're collaborating with. They pull some bullshit white label stuff. Yep. And then they wonder why they didn't, no one's buying their weed. Because it's not good, and because you're making it eighty dollars an eighth because of your ego. I never understood this celebrity. Now, you saw the latest celebrity, and and I have a little bit more because he's not, although a bit of what he covers of the cannabis culture are the fucking stereotypes. Because you and I are good examples of very successful individuals that happen to be pro cannabis, but houseplant. I'm 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 hopeful. Uh, I don't like that I I can't track down who the farmers are. I think that's weird. Oh, we'll find out. That's what I mean about like not (laughs) in... We will find out. It should be on the the packaging through the metric info. Yeah. Um, But in terms of like embracing that and really showing the process of how they selected their flower, like I would have liked to see that. Again, I'm hopeful. I want to give give Seth the benefit of the doubt. I know that they've been working on this for a very long time. He has. I also know that in (laughs) in Canada, I, I believe their partner was Canopy. So, you know, <laughs> fuck that. Wow. Uh, so I don't, you know, we'll see. The, the market will, will work itself out. I saw something that there were like tens of thousands of orders for his flower online. Cool. You can get people to try your product once. Now, will he consistently fill those jars with flour that's justifying those costs? Or will it be like most celebrity brands that, start trying to squeeze margins out of the farmer yeah. and then they think that their brand and their name is going to sell weed. Um, and if you will, and Seth is one of them, but you got to consistently fill those jars with good flour. Yeah. And 
that's where it gets difficult. <laughs> no, it's 100% true, man, because at the end of the day, you're not smoking the jar. You're not smoking the label. You're not smoking the celebrity. You're smoking the flower in the container. So I'm 100% with you, and I agree. And I've had some – I mean – it's like three buck Chuck. I know a lot, you know, a lot of folks out there love the wine. I don't drink alcohol anymore, but I know for those that do, you know, the, the wine, they know what they're getting. And for three bucks, they actually know they're getting a little bit better than what they're paying, you know, but those expectations have to be aligned. So your point, you can't just put your name on it and this is some badass fire because I supported cannabis back before it was cool. Well, yeah, that's a different. <laughs> and I mean, I can't, I can't believe I'm saying this, but when you look at who's done more for the industry already, uh, Jay-Z's monogram brand has put a lot of effort into bringing awareness to criminal justice reform. Yeah, yeah. Um, and hey, at least I'm happy to see that because when you're going to use your voice for something more than just try to you know make money off of your, your fan base, because that's what a lot of these, these weed brands are. It's just like, I have a fan base. I'm going to try to make money off of them. Yeah. And that's why I'm, I'm frustrated with this whole NFT thing. Because now everybody's yeah. dropping an NFT. It's like, why do you? What value are you providing to your fan to your fans with an NFT? Just with solution. with anything yeah. that you're doing, if with your new CBD brand, you know, like, did you really research it? Do you did you smoke weed? Did you take a suspension while you were in the league in order to to really stand behind this? Or did one of your homies tell you that he's got a good idea and you guys can make some bread off of your fan yeah. base? And if that's the case, like, I like watching you fail. I yeah. really would love from a brand integrity, of wealth. Yeah, that brand integrity, it can help as much as it can hurt if depending on what the solution is. So, man, good stuff. Well, dude, I know we only got a few more minutes. Um, the one thing last that I want to touch on was, my gosh, Spanibus. So I I literally was getting ready to change. Left, you know, left at a good time, left at a high note with Bova to love them, still love them, still support them, got them to where I needed to get them um, and had a great opportunity in my backyard. So literally I was transitioning roles right before spam has happened. And um, I got a feeling because you and I both have connections in Asia, in Australia, in Italy, in Eastern Europe. So we knew what was coming with COVID. Um, so I, I didn't feel too bad by saying, although they were surprised, like, I think I'm going to pass on going this year, but you went out early. So you didn't even have the opportunity. So you got stuck out in Barcelona. You made the most well, of it, man. This is good too, though, because <laughs> again, like, Sometimes things just work out for me. Yeah. And so getting, get, we were in Barcelona and I was committed to being there for like, I'd booked a f like 10 days or something. At least, like yeah. That. You're going to be there for a few weeks. Yeah. I was, I was there for a while. Uh, but when I booked my flight, I was a little drunk. <laughs> and th cause this, the, like I was, I was a little buzzed. And when I booked it, it was from San Francisco through London to Barcelona with really good times for like $326. Oh, yeah. You can get killer deals. So I killer book deals. it. And I, it, this was like December. So it was probably like around my birthday, which is yeah. why I was a little buzzed. So I, I, I book it. And like I was so shocked at the, the price, how cheap it was. That when they offer you that tri that trip insurance at the checkout, I uh -huh. actually like for sixteen or twenty six dollars, I said yes. Nice. I was like, Smart, in my, man. My, my mind told me <laughs> that that was going to protect me down the line. Like if they were like, oh, oh by man. the way, that was just the taxes. You actually have to pay another thousand dollars. Because you get be cheap, like, dude. I got direct from Norwegian. They only do it twice a, a week, but I remember a few years ago, I got direct from LAX to Barcelona, no hub and through Heathrow, for like five hundred sixty bucks. My friend's like, fucking what? And I'm like, well, it's off season. 
So this was British Airways. Oh, dude, BA for the win. Yeah, well, a little tight, like, but comfortable. <laughs> but so the whole thing, I'm like, this is almost too good to be true. So that's why I picked up the insurance. And then like yeah. day three of the pandemic, when everybody's flights are getting canceled and everybody's panicking on what they're gonna do, I like had this moment where I'm like, I have travel insurance. <laughs> and I looked it up and it specifically covered like pandemic required quarantine. And I was oh, like, wow. holy shit, like I'm I'm locked in. Like I'm I'm groovy. I want yeah. I'll get paid to stay now if they cancel my flight. Like and I was gonna get like something like seventy five euros a day without receipts and like one hundred and fifty euros a day if I provided receipts. Oh wow! And like you said, we have friends over there. Oh yeah, so dude, you had Maddie. And- I would have been I would have been printing insurance money just chilling, <laughs> um, but they never canceled my flight. And, oh, but man. I did. We did make the most of it. I mean. In terms of, like, I have zero regrets on the trip. And it was one of those things, like, it was very controversial. Yeah. Like, people who went versus people who didn't and how all of that well, stuff some is pe- going. Like, but you went a little bit earlier than most of us, so you kind of got stuck. But, I mean, that is a beautiful city to be st- – there's a reason why the Romans and the Greeks and everyone blazed through that town, dude. I mean, it, it is the destination. I remember – because I usually do a tour – and I think, so not last year, year before, I think it was, you know, I had meetings up in Amsterdam, the means in London, then I had to head to Israel for Canatech. And my flight, from, I kid you not, from Barca to Dam, all tours, all, all tours from Holland, <laughs> no one speaking English. <laughs> and it was just, I'm like, man, that makes sense. So, but good times, dude. I'm looking forward to what's in store. It's definitely been such a treat, dude, to have you here in the studio in Southern California. We're going to get you back on in, in, in a little while and see how things are going for you, dude. Sounds good. Looking forward to it. All right. Thanks so much. Hey, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. As always, this is another episode of Cure to Consumption. Stay safe, good vibes, and we will catch up with you next week. Until then. You're listening to Hayes Radio Network, Cannabis Lifestyle Radio.